0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome into the Atlanta Sports Party, your home for the best Atlanta sports talk. It's the only place in the ATL where you can get local insight that is this good. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste, and joining me today are Maria Martin and Jarvis Davis. This episode of our show is brought to you by Vandal. Make every moment more right now. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit Vandal.com slash Locked On to get started now. The Atlanta Sports Party is also part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, today we are definitely going to do some deep diving into the dogs as they get prepared for the SEC championship game, and we'll take you guys around the Metro. But first, we're going to get you started with a little trip to Flowery Branch, at least for today, because we know, of course, the Falcons are about to make a little trip up top to take on the New York Jets this coming weekend. Now, here's the good of it. We saw what looked like, Maria, a super resurgence, a return of old, a turning back the hand of time with the performance that the running back core of Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, and Cordero Patterson, what they were able to give us with a little smatter of your Desmond Ritter, by the way, in the win against the Saints this past Sunday. And when you think about the fact that they are going up against the 31st ranked rush defense in the NFL, is there any universe or any place in the pantheon of society or sports where Arthur Smith is not gonna run that ball and ram that ball right down the Jets defense's throats?
2: Uh, absolutely not. I mean, you literally said a 31. I mean, you have to take advantage of that. And given the fact that the Falcons are doing so good running the football right now, you have to just go with what is working for you we've talked about this before with the falcons like stick to what you know stick to what works and i think if you continue with that it's going to pay dividends in new jersey you know this team they're struggling to get back-to-back wins they haven't done that since the beginning of the season and they haven't won three in a row under arthur smith ever so they're looking to get that together and that was the focus in the locker room when i was there on wednesday is all the guys just want to continue to not just win games but do it at a consistent level and they all believe that they are stepping in the right direction Bijan Robinson actually gave us a lot of really good tidbits on Wednesday you know normally he's a really good soundbite and he's pretty honest but I thought Wednesday he was particularly good because he said with six games left in the season he's incredibly comfortable within this offense you know he has yeah. three rushing touchdowns in the last four games mm-hmm. obviously he's got a receiving touchdown in there too two as well but what's really cool about Bajan and the way that he's working right now, he wants to navigate the game like a quarterback. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? that? That's really fascinating. You know, you're a running back, you catch the ball too. And he said, it's just important for me to look at this game like a quarterback and to read defenses. Like I'm a quarterback. He talked to LaDainian Tomlinson and he's yeah. the one that really helped him. And it was really cool listening to him and how he dissects the game. And I think if you can have a player like that, who's potentially going to be the NFL rookie on the, of the year rushing the ball at the caliber that he is. And that's not discrediting what Tyler and Cordero have done, but I think that what Bajan is doing right now is so special. Take advantage of it. Get that second one in a row.
1: Yeah, and you know, Marie, I don't think that by giving him his flowers that we are discrediting CP and Tyler Algier because I think in order for Bijan to be as effective as he is, you do need those other pieces to be effective as well because you don't want him to carry all the load. There were moments in time, Jarvis, where we can say a few weeks ago, I don't want to say hit the rookie wall because I don't think that was necessarily what it was, but I think carrying the rock as much as he had to when CP was down and when it seemed like Arthur Smith was trying trying to figure out how to work Tyler Algier. And that was a lot. So yeah, I definitely think this is one of those situations where now it seems like there's a true understanding of how to use three very impressive backs who run very, very differently, but who could also be just as effective when you're utilizing them in their best spaces.
0: Yeah. And I think the main reason why, like, no, don't get me wrong. John Robinson is a hell of a talent. Tyler Algier is a solid running back. You know my affinity that I have for him. He's one of those old-school running back. Cordell Patterson is just a, just a man. Just right? different. <laughs> just, just, different. Man, just a man. So yeah, just boy, we, we got to give a credit to those big boys up front because yes. what yes. those guys put on tape last week, mm-hmm. Matthew Bergeron, like the type of season that he's having, mm-hmm. I feel like we haven't been talking about him enough. Yeah, because what do we what are we used to right? What are we used to rookie offensive lineman playing very badly? You know, <laughs> that guy's no longer on this team, and I'm not going to even say his name because I don't want to bring up any bad juju. But for us to not be talking about Matthew Bergeron, right. says all we need to say about the type of season that he's having as a rookie when it comes to blocking, like like it was just one block. I think it was I tweeted out during the game. It was the uh, actually um Bijan Robinson touchdown run. The way that was set up. He set up the blocks to where it was, he literally walked into the end zone yeah. because Matthew Bergeron was able to just cut off that, um, cut off the backside, which is a very difficult block to do. You have to have excellent footwork to be able to pull it off against anybody worth a flip playing on the defensive side of the football. So it was just amazing how he was just able to work his way around. He, he's just sealed off that backside. And then you saw Bijan Robinson just cut right off of it and just walk into the end zone. So yeah, I really feel like Arthur Smith. Knowing what his offensive lineman did last week, absolutely, there's no reason why they should come out, shouldn't come out of this game with no less than 35 carries. And you can divvy up however you want And you know, I, I would prefer that hey, Bajon starts it off, <laughs> and then and Tyler Algier come in, and and after they're worn down and tired of trying to tackle Bajon. Tyler G coming to, to the baby to close the deal. And then you get Cordell Patterson in there to do his thing as well. So I, I think that the game plan is pretty much set for this game against the New York Jets, because especially when you're talking about a team that's one of the worst run defenses in the entirety of the NFL.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those where we don't need to get cute. Just run the rock, run the rock, run the rock. It's almost like what we were talking about last weekend when You knew that the game was in hand. It's like, okay, yeah, you've got the ball for the final possession. Just go ahead and run it. And, of course, I'm being facetious, but go ahead and run it 17 times. It's really okay. Anybody in the building knows it's what you're going to do. It's okay. It's fine. Just do it because you can. And you can because you have the second highest graded and the third highest graded interior lineman in the NFL for last week in Matthew Chris and Chris Lindstrom. And it reminds me, like you said, Jarvis, of conversations we didn't have about Chris mm-hmm. Lynch back in his rookie season. Like, this is good. If we don't mention your name, <laughs> that this is actually a good thing until we mention your name when it becomes, hey, it's because you did something that was so outstanding as opposed to making us scratch our heads. And I love something, Marie, that I got to bring in that Jarvis just had us rolling like a couple days ago when we were talking Falcons with our girl, Tori McElhaney and with Aaron Freeman. And he literally said, hey, Cam Jordan has an estranged son named Caleb McGarry because... <laughs> Finally, (laughs) you get to the point and place where Caleb has not had his lunch, breakfast, dinner and brunch by one cam jordan yes 94 did not have his way which is also an incredible thing so yeah it's exciting to see those guys coming together and like why are you turning red
0: i'm trying to laugh laugh
1: and trying not
0: to laugh (laughs) it's okay you can let it out let it it breathe no i literally can't
1: my voice won't allow me to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we need you for the rest of this show. So we yes, better not make <laughs> you <laughs> laugh too hard. We better not yeah, make you laugh too hard. But yeah, it's exciting because I think all three of us ha- would, oh, just God. from the O line perspective, I think we're all enamored when. First of all, when a team wins in the trenches, let's start right there, whether it's on the offensive side or the defensive side of the ball, because we can also talk about low key and quietly the game that David Anyamata had and how good it is to have him back looking like he's about at 100 percent, if you will. Right. And starting to see some things um, out of Arnold and and just kind of across the space, starting to have conversations about guys where maybe earlier in the season or the end of last season, we were calling their names for the very wrong reason. So whether it's that guy or whether it's an addition, it's good to be able to call names uh, for good reasons. And speaking of that, I think that we're going to have it'll be a sight to see going on the flip side of the trenches, Jarvis, and what the D-line for the Falcons will be able to do. Because honestly, other than Brees Hall, I mean, who's going to check him, boo? Not the Jets. Not the Jets O-line at all.
0: Yeah, this is a this is the offensive line that you should take be able to take advantage of. Yes. Uh, this is one of the reasons why people are like, "All right, Aaron Rodgers trying to rush back to that line. Like that, that's the type. Of, that's the line that you want to play behind." So <laughs> I I think that that's that's this is what we're talking about because you know I know a lot of people will be very petty when it comes to this defensive line, right? Like they don't want to give them credit when they do take advantage of somebody that's not that good. Because that's what Arne Abicator did, because he was going up against the backup right tackle. You know, um, and he was like, and people were like, oh, that was the backup right tackle. So, he in the NFL. Right. <laughs> like, he, he getting paid just like yeah. the other man getting paid. Yeah. So, for him to work his moves and, and be able to get home like that, I think that that needs to continue this week. And we've yeah. seen Arne Katie start to slowly get more more reps. And, and you're starting to see him start to develop. And I was listening to Grady Jarrett he was on a local radio station talking about how Ebiketti is like really starting to get it just from yeah. a, okay, knowing when to use the speed rush or knowing when to go inside and not just doing it just haphazardly because like you have to have a plan when you rush in the pass in the NFL, because they're just certain down and distances. Like, okay, I know I'm not going to go here on second and short because, Hey, he's going to get rid of the football quickly. And if, and if he doesn't get rid of the football and, I, and he break a tame, he can go get a first down just that simple. So I think all of those things kind of come into play just to see these guys starting to really develop. So, yeah, this week, this should be a week where, hey, they might be able to eat.
1: Yeah, and I, I got to agree with you on that with, with regard to AK. I don't think at all it's just about, oh, he came up against the backup tackle, if you will, or if he even this week has one of those breakout games, I think it's more of we're paying attention to the decision making and we're paying attention to the technique. And if we're seeing the evolution of that, that's what should be encouraging for Falcons fans. Now, if you want a little extra cash before the holidays, I'll tell you about fan duel. And then on the other side, we're going to talk a little dogs. All right, guys. Now it is A little bit cold outside, not as cold as it has been this week, but certainly a little bit cold outside. Translation, you're probably going to be in the house a little bit more than you have been of recent. So this is a perfect time for you to introduce yourself to FanDuel. FanDuel is one cool app because it's user-friendly, and I tell you guys all the time, if it's technology, I want it to be quick, I want it to be easy, and this is the app for you if you're a new customer, you can even get $150 in bonus bets. So not only are you gonna have a user-friendly tool, but you'll be able to make some money during the holidays because of it. And that, of course, is with any winning $5 money line bet. 150 bucks if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about it, stop thinking about FanDuel and just go ahead and make the move because there's a wide range of betting options. You can go spreads, player props, over, unders, and more. So you wanna know how to find out more about FanDuel and how to get it started? Simple. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on and that'll take you through the rest of this NFL season and you know there are some really, really good matchups this weekend that you might want to have your eye on to take advantage of FanDuel. Again, really easy, fanduel.com slash locked on. Head over there and find out more about this really, really great tool. And of course, FanDuel is the official, official partner of the NFL. Oh, there's this thought that came to my mind. What are you going to get to the good part? Time to talk about the dogs. Man, oh man, I was saying to somebody a couple of days ago, it's really exciting to be this close to the SEC championship game area because, okay, let's just be real. We all got a collective letdown last month when the Braves didn't do what we thought they would do to get to October, right? And, you know, the Hawks, well, they're just starting. So we're going to give them a, a, an opportunity to do a bit better. But really right now, everything's hinging on the hopes, dreams, and aspirations of Atlanta Metro are hinging on what the Georgia Bulldogs do in this SEC championship game that could, or depending on who you are, could not possibly get them into position for their third straight title. Now, the first question is this. I don't think that Georgia necessarily needs to make up motivation, Maria, but I'm just gonna ask you, can Georgia finally beat Alabama in Atlanta for this SEC crown? And do you think that is maybe, even if it's subconsciously, motivation for them going into this game Saturday?
2: Look, I think it's going to be a really difficult game for Georgia to win. I know the Dogs fans are going to hate when I say that. Um, I just don't think it's a cakewalk like a lot of people do believe. Um, Maybe that's because I've covered Nick Saban before. Maybe that's because I covered Alabama for so long. And maybe it's because I've watched the evolution of this Alabama team throughout the season. And I would have rather played the Alabama team at the beginning of the year. They are playing their best football. They are one of the best teams in the country right now. I know they're not ranked as high as Georgia, not even close they're the eighth-ranked team in the country, but I think this is such a terrifying matchup for the Bulldogs. That being said, I do think Georgia wins this game, but I think they're going to give us an epic classic. Nick Saban, he's 7-0. and at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. He's undefeated in that building. There's something to be said about that. And all honestly, going back to the Iron Bowl from last week, I would have been a lot more concerned for Georgia had Alabama lost that game. Now that they're coming off a win, I feel a little bit better about it. And I don't think that, and Kirby will tell you, We don't go off of motivation, blah, blah, blah. I think subconsciously the players do. It sucks to lose to Alabama every year. And the last time that they even lost a football game back in 2021 was to who? Oh, it was to Alabama. And it was right here in Atlanta. They don't want that to be the narrative. They don't want that to continue. And keep in mind, this is a really tricky college football playoff picture, right? Mm -hmm. So in my mind and in my opinion, I can make an argument. For Georgia to get in. Shall they lose to Alabama if it's a close game? The problem with that though is there's so many undefeated teams still standing and a lot of those could be conference champions at the end of the weekend. It kind of pushes Georgia out if they lose this game. you are the Bulldogs. You've got to win. In the back of their mind, I don't care what you tell me. They have to be saying we cannot lose to Nick Saban again. This sucks. (laughs) He's won 12 straight in the city of Atlanta. I mean, come on. Why is he dominating this city? He is one of the best ever, 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 ever in college football. But right now, Kirby Smart has an unbelievable opportunity to say, wait a second, I want my name in the history books too. Thanks a lot to my old boss. Have a great day. We're SEC champs. And I think they can do that. It's going to be a tough game though. I expect it to be an unbelievable matchup on
1: Saturday. Yeah, and I would say too, I think each class probably comes in with a pseudo chip on their shoulder, right? So the class last year had to hear the entire season that it, you know, they had to hear about, oh, wait a minute, that team before us, they didn't lose a game. Damn. Ah, so we're gonna go undefeated. So that was their one-up on the team that before. This team can be can is undefeated. So now you're on par with the team from last year. But Jarvis, they've also been hearing, you're not that world-class all beater defense of a lifetime. So what's your distinction? <laughs> the distinction is we go into Mercedes-Benz Stadium and we take, we give Alabama an L that's our distinction. So as we talked about, I mentioned it, you know, the subconscious piece, Maria mentioned the subconscious piece, athletes, competitors, you always have to have some edge, you know, there's something Mm -hmm. that you want to give yourself to say, yeah, this is what I want. I think that could be a motivating factor as well because each one of these Kirby Smart championships, I think each team wants to
0: say, but this is what my team did that your team didn't do. Yeah, I think the motivating factor is that, that this is the culture that Kirby Smart has established because we talked about, you know, as this season has gone along, how okay, now they gotta get be able to do this in this game. Yes. Or they they're gonna have to go without their the best player in the country and Brock Browers. How they gonna how does the offense is gonna adjust? Or or Kirby Smart hired his homeboy to be the offensive coordinator in Mike mm-hmm. Bobo. How they how does the offense gonna live up to Todd Munkin and his greatness and what he did and able to establish and bring in Georgia another national championship? Or So I think every question that we've had throughout this year, Georgia has answered. Kirby Smart has had his guys prepared to answer those questions. So as this, they've been going on this crescendo, it is just so hard for me that Nick Saban is going to get in the way of that. I know that may sound crazy, but (laughs) what Kirby Smart has been doing, what this coaching staff has been doing, and Glenn Schumann and and Will Muschamp and all those guys – just, just staff as a whole. It is just they've been done an excellent job because they've gotten every team best shot. Like they've been, team come out swinging, punch them in the mouth in that first couple series, and then <laughs> next thing you know, you don't hear anything else from yeah. them because they made the necessary adjustments and they're going. They've moved on and they end up winning and the, the game. game. So, yeah, yeah. So it just, it just so many things that that has my eyes have seen this year to go in this game and say yeah motivation is 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 cool i get it you know miss uh, daniel's son wants to beat mr miyagi i get it but but i'm telling you kirby smart has prepared his guys for this you know and and i think that they're they're going to be ready and i'm not saying i'm not guaranteeing a win i'm not saying double digit win everything (laughs) like that but i'm i would not be shocked if George Bulldogs go out there and and take care of business on on Saturday every St. Benz.
1: Indeed. And I think there are a couple other things there as well. There's so much that's been made about Jalen Melrose and how much he's progressed and how he's not that guy, to your point, Maria, who took the L against Texas. But low-key, Carson Beck has been on the upswing as well. He's trended up week after week after week. He's gotten better and better and better. And I think sometimes getting lost in the conversation or the shuffle of the Jalen combo has been, no, Carson, not as much Carson combo. And granted, I get it, because that's really their one and almost only weapon, if you take away a couple others, of course, um, being a little bit loose with that. But ultimately speaking, I think that Carson Beck has to have just a solid game. And the dogs will be fine. I think Jimel has to have pretty much the game of his life. Like, he's got to be that guy over and over and over again for Alabama to do this. And one more thing before we go on, I was thinking about this as well. Kirby Smart plays chestnut checkers. Nick Saban plays chestnut checkers. But I really do believe that Kirby Smart has more chess pieces that are able to execute his chess match versus the pieces that Nick Saban has to potentially execute his. And that could be the difference maker as well. Now, one more thing, Maria. I'm going back to this before we wrap up, because you kind of mentioned it. And I saw this headline earlier this week, and I said, man, this is hilarious to me because it's kind of like that big brother little brother thing kind of rearing its head and the quote the headline was quote georgia can't get away from the boogeyman of course referring to alabama but i don't know i don't feel like they're spooked by mama anymore you
2: no i mean i don't i mean maybe earlier in kirby's career i would have thought that but I Kind of going back to what Jarvis has said, they've proven time and time again that they are the best team in college football, and they have been this year. And there's been so many times where people have tried to make an argument that Georgia is not. Those weeks that we talked about them not at number one, which we all disagreed should not have been the case, but it was. You know, time and time again, Kirby has proved that he is one of the best coaches in the country, and he will go down as one of the best college coaches ever because he is – at the top, at a time where college football is changing at its most. And it's crazy because we're not talking about, oh, Carson Beck. Like, Carson Beck's a really good quarterback, to your point. And I think that this is actually the year that they can get past the boogeyman. Because for this Alabama team, and I've covered some that have some of the most prolific offenses and defenses. I mean, I covered the Tua tunga days, all of that. And those were some of the best teams we've ever seen in college football. And Georgia's had some of those as well in recent history that I've been lucky enough to cover as well. But for Alabama, this team is not as disciplined as some of the past for Nick Saban. Georgia can take advantage of that, and they could take advantage of that very quickly. Carson yeah. Beck, give me some explosive plays. He's 75% on his passing, which is incredibly accurate. It's not talked about enough. But the explosive plays have been what's missing for Carson he hasn't necessarily needed to do that what's funny is there's been a couple times where Kirby's talked about Carson said oh I've seen this from day one he loves Carson by the way that's his guy he said oh I've seen this from day one you know he's a good quarterback but we haven't had to have him do a whole lot very fascinating so what you're seeing from Carson is maybe not his full potential you may get that on Saturday if they put him in a situation to make him do that I just don't think it's going to get to that point however I do think that this is one of the more beatable Alabama teams, even though I'm saying they're so good, they're way better than they were at the beginning of the year, this is maybe one of the more beatable teams that Nick Saban has had. That's not saying they're not good. Don't get it twisted. They're incredible. But I think Georgia, like you said, Tanisha, they have a lot more pieces. They've proven Georgia Tech. They were out a ton of their top guys on offense. Who cares? They still won the football game. It doesn't matter. They're proving week in and week out, doesn't matter if there's guys out, George is gonna win. I still, I still think it's gonna be an epic, like down to the finish thing in Mercedes-Benz-Stadium, which we've seen a couple of those between yeah. these two teams. Um, but George is just, I, I think Kirby's cool, calm, and collected. He's ready. He's not really thinking, oh, that's my old boss. I can't, whatever. No, he has a ton of respect for Nick. He says that all the time, but I don't think it's the guy on his shoulder that he's still trying to
1: beat. I just think he's ready and he's ready to go. I think so, too. And yeah, I think if we see an Alabama win, I think that'll be down to the wire. But Georgia, to me, they get their dub however they get their dub. It could be a down to the wire, but I can see Georgia smoking them, too. Like, I wouldn't be shocked about that as well, just because, like we said, Carson Beck still has some things in the arsenal that we haven't seen. And that run game, all I'm going to say is two words before we tap out. Kendall Milton. All right, he was guys. running like somebody <laughs> stole his puppy. He was running so angry. I was
2: like, "Are you all right?" Like yeah. he is—he's unbelievable. Well, he's making 100%. a percent. <laughs> I, I, I am at hundred so proud of Kendall. Yeah. You know, Kendall's 100%. a kid. I'm sorry. I have one more point. Kendall's oh, a kid yeah. that's had to prove himself and that's had to wait yes. and be patient because George has just had prolific running backs for yes. forever. And mm-hmm. Kendall I mean, is now showing yeah. that he's been the guy all yeah. this all along. All he's along. been waiting in the wings. And I freaking love that. And one final point about George's offense is I think this is one of the best we've seen under Kirby smart. I really do oh, collectively. Not, offensively, it's complete. It's complete i'm so excited about that we always yeah. talk about their defense and because kirby's a defensive guy and he's loaded them on the defensive side of the ball right. the offense is one of the best in the country if not the yeah. best they are crushing it at every level that is something that's not talked about enough and i'm excited to watch this particular matchup because of it oh yeah, yeah. this is going
1: to be straight firepower right
0: yes straight. yeah this power. carson beck has played himself into being a early round nfl prospect Yes. Agreed. He went from unknown to early round NFL prospect within a matter of, of 12 to what 12 games.
1: <laughs> yeah. <agreed>. And, <laughs> and the last time we've had a conversation about multiple Georgia offensive players that are going to be taken first round or early round usually that's a conversation about defense so Maria to your point Jarvis to your point it's good to be able to talk about the offense because it's just as prolific and should be a part of the conversation of why they are where they are as well now we're going to go around the metro when we get back but first Jarvis is going to tell you guys about subtext
0: listen up guys let me tell you about Join subtext.com slash locked on sports atlanta. Well, i you gonna need to go there, drivers, because if you want to become a locked on sports atlanta insider, you need to go there right now. Get and guess what? It's a deal. It's two-week free trial. And if you like it, because you're gonna be able to get some breaking news. You're gonna be able to get my thoughts on the game. Also, all 22 breakdown. I sent you a little private video just for your viewing. You know, ain't no weird stuff. You know, we just talking ball. That's all we're going to be doing. So, and you're going to be sent directly to your phone. So it's a two week trial. If you don't like it, that's cool. That's fine. You can get off and do do whatever you need to do and go about your day. But if you do like it, it's only four ninety nine a month. So, go to joinsubtech.com slash locked on sports Atlanta. slash locked on sports Atlanta to become a sports locked on sports Atlanta insider today. So we know that Alex Anthopoulos
1: is always cooking up something, right? And as we approach winter meetings, we'll hear about some things, some moves that he's done here and there, like the move that we found out about yesterday where uh, the Braves announced that they signed a righty, Penn Murphy, and righty, Jackson Stevens. one-year non-guaranteed split contracts for 2024, which is all well and good. But in all honesty, the conversation is about where we really think he's going to go as far as still kind of shoring up I don't want to say maybe their weakness, but what became their weakness likely due to injury and that sort of thing, just because the now departed, for example, Kyle Wright, which is not the Kyle Wright that they could uh, rely on, if you will. So now you're starting to have conversations about guys that could indeed come this way. Maria, do you think, and of course, I think the most recent, because you've had some guys like a Sonny Gray who you know who is obviously out of that conversation now, but a Dylan Cease keeps coming up in the conversation. Do you see Alex Anthopoulos making that kind of big move to where we're like, whoa, they mean business. They are not pleased with how they had to exit the postseason this year, really two years, two seasons in a row, Maria, and they're not going to let it happen a third time. I mean, yeah, there's no question,
2: right? History tells us that Alex Anthopoulos does that and does it well. He also, unlike some of his other peers in the business, he doesn't sign pitchers to long-term deals, which you've been seeing happen. Aaron Nola got paid in Philadelphia. There were rumors that the Braves were in on a potential trade for Aaron Nola, which everybody obviously would have loved to see that happen. I'll actually be up in Nashville at the winter meeting, so I plan on asking if the Braves were in on that trade now that it's over, they can disclose whether or not they were in talks to get Aaron Nolan. and then Sonny Gray, of course, would have made a ton of sense for Atlanta, but we know that in the history of this franchise, that's not to say it won't happen, they don't dish out a lot of money and long-term yeah. deals for these pitchers, especially guys that are up there in their late 20s and then early 30s, the Braves just aren't going to do that, but history tells us that Alexandopoulos always has something up his sleeve. I don't think that there's anything different. I think that those two moves actually indicate more that he has something planned that we don't understand quite yet. And I think it's going to be quite a shock to everybody. They do know that they need people in their rotation. It's very obvious. It's what's been hurting them the last two seasons, Mm -hmm. if you ask me honestly. So I think they need an arm that can really solidify that rotation. It's out there. There are some really good free agents. It's just deciding who, when, how long you want to sign them for. And I think that that could be coming down as early as winter meetings. Who knows? Who knows if you give Marcelo Zuna away, finally. It's very possible that they do that. So there is something cooking up for AA. I'm just not sure what it is yet. Exactly.
1: And yeah, Jarvis, I would have to agree. I think that it's things. And Anthopoulos is maybe our most honest sometimes brutally honest, but respectfully honest GM in this city. And he has admitted, essentially, like, not that there was a particular picture that they could have gone after at the trade deadline for various reasons, like Maria mentioned, some of which would have been the amount of money or the number of years that they wanted to be signed for or restrictions in their current contract. But ultimately speaking, he did say, hey, you know, when I look back at it, basically, Eh, some things maybe could have been played a little bit differently. So, yeah, I do think this is an opportunity where Alexanthopoulos maybe I wouldn't be shocked if, if there was a move in there for us. That was a little bit shocking as far as what we've seen before. And the reason I say that is this and then I want you to weigh in on it is when I look at and switching gears to football. The Pittsburgh Steelers are so very predictable, right? There are certain things that the Steelers don't do. They don't fire coaches. They don't fire OCs in the middle of the season. They don't make changes uh, for personnel. Okay, two of those three things have already happened. And the Steelers are already looking different because they're looking at the rest of the division. And they're like, we can't even get out of our own division. And I think this is maybe a situation in a time where Alex Anthopoulos is looking around and saying, hey, in order for us to just get out of this division and be that competitor at the top of the National League, we've got to do something different than we've done the last two seasons or even ever before. Yeah. like because they literally lost to
0: a divisional opponent yeah. in Philadelphia Phillies, Like, two uh, years in yeah. a row. Like, that's something right. has to change. Something has to shake. So I'm I'm really at a point where I trust Alex Anthopoulos. And I don't trust general managers normally, typically, <laughs> because the ones – and that's based off the, the ones that we've had to deal with. You yeah. know, I was he having conversation about Thomas Dimitrov a, a while back, you know, yeah. with somebody, and I was just like, uh, oh, yeah, 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 okay. But yeah, Alex Anthopoulos, <laughs> like, I really trust – The moves that he's made, you know, and I I really trust his judgment. So I I really feel like he's something is – he's got to be cooking up something because – you know, we've heard we've heard uh Dylan Cease's name thrown out there. We've heard Corbin Burns' name being thrown out there. And we've heard like like Maria mentioned, um Marcelo Zuna maybe coming, you know, maybe a, a a part of that trade piece, mm-hmm. or even Racel Iglesias, like he might be a sure. guy that can do that because you know that bullpen know is deep know. at this moment. Yeah. So, you know, and then you got guys like you got known names being traded away, Kyle Wright, mm-hmm. you know, Michael Soroka, like all those guys are gone now. So it's just this is this is I feel like, you know, that some of the names aren't going to change right? and we know what those are. No need to list those out, but when you think about like who's going to be the guy or what type of person is going to be the guy to get these guys over the hump, to get out mm-hmm. of their division like you talked about T, it's going to have to be a starting pitcher. It's going to have to be a guy with a uh, that that's a absolute dog. Like I don't yeah. talk about baseball players in that manner that much, but that's what I mean cuz Aaron Nola is one. <laughs> you know what you to expect when he goes to the mound like I, I mean I, I love Max Free but you know like from an injury standpoint and, and just dealing with stuff as we get down to the postseason Charlie Moore too being injured and dealing with stuff like we need somebody that we know is going to be there and we know once he sets on his foot on that mound he is going to get a, us a win and put us in a position to get a win so I, I think um, I, I'm wholeheartedly believing that Alex Ndoppel is working on that and I'm Pretty sure that it's going to be a guy that's in their starting rotation.
1: Yeah, now Jarvis, it may be early because it's only essentially December, but somebody else may have to make a move down to State Farm Arena because we've already seen one thing that we didn't want to see, maybe, and that's the end season tournament come to an end for the Hawks. And I say that, Jarvis and Maria, because of course we don't really like in anything, i.e., play in in-season, none of that. <laughs> we, we can help but We just want to see the Hawks like, win and win big so we don't have to have that conversation again. But that said, this is the first year, the inaugural year for the in-season tournament, and unfortunately the Hawks couldn't quite get out of the opening round. But Jarvis, you saw the funky court. You saw mm-hmm. the funky uniforms. You saw kind of how teams were running up and down the court, scoring on each other because they had to get to a certain level in order to advance. Are you good with Thoughts being out of it and us kind of moving on or were there any aspects of the in season tournament play that
0: you liked? I thought the court was interesting. You know, yeah. it's like, oh,
1: okay. <laughs> I like, like it here. I
0: gotta like... squint a little bit to look at the court. Okay, you know, the uniforms were pretty dope. I like yeah. those. Yeah. But I am not I'm not sold on in season tournament as it being anything different from a regular season game because that's cause you changed the label. Like, oh yeah, this is not a regular season game anymore. It's the in season tournament. And we're gonna <laughs> end up in Las Vegas if you play well. Well, right. you know, like, just play well. <laughs> you know, what, what's <laughs> right. the incentive to not play well? Like, you get paid, go play well. Play yeah. hard. You know, so I don't think you should have incentives. You should need incentives to do that. So, yeah. but, yeah, I think I'm going to miss the courts probably. But, yeah, I'm I'm glad that we can kind of get – move away. I mean, I know it's still going on, but you can kind of move from a Landon standpoint. Like, hey, get acclimated to Quinn Snyder's system and, yeah. and, and, and start playing it. better within that. And then – I'll be, I'll be good with that part. <laughs>
1: yeah, and focus on what you're going to do at the four spot because you've got a couple more weeks to be without Jalen Johnson, Maria, and you can have some stop gaps. but we've literally seen he's the breakout star that we didn't know we needed, but we kind of knew we needed. So that's really what the focus needs to be on. But I did like the uniforms low-key because I cannot wait to replace my current – actually, I think it's like two years old now to replace my dog's jersey with this new look jersey. Yeah, that, that's kind of sweet. Anything you're going to miss about the in-season tournament? No,
2: I mean, I may miss the courts because I think those were cool. And yeah. like Jarvis, like Jarvis, like the jerseys too. I love mine. I can't wait to put it on my wall in my office. I'm really excited, Can I get one, please. <laughs> Thank you. A little plug oh, for Jarvis, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it didn't feel any different than a normal game and maybe they got to work on that I don't know I mean the court's cool uniforms are cool I will not miss having to explain what the heck it is to people because everyone's so confused oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's turn the page and focus Ooh. on basketball please because every time I said oh the Hawks win in the in-season tournament everyone around my building here at work was like what's that mean what's an in-season right. tournament what <laughs> yeah. what's this format mean
1: what is like you know I, I'm I'm over it bye Probably. moving on <laughs> Exactly. Is the in season tournament going to keep them out of a plan? No? Well, okay, move on. So, yeah, I, I hear you on that one. All I want them to do is just focus on continuing to evolve themselves under this Quinn Snyder system as they get to the end of the first quarter of the season. So, yeah, good luck for the jersey, but goodbye to the tournament for the Hawks. Anyway, guys, we appreciate you, as always, for stopping by the Atlanta Sports Party because you get all the tea and all the talk right here that you want for sports. So don't forget, of course, to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we will see you guys on Monday for the Atlanta football party. Bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.